This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, we appreciate you joining us for our latest podcast. We decided to do something different. I had a lot of folks who have watched some of our old or listened to our old Rays games and really wanted to hear from some of the guys who are involved in some of those big games. And, and who better to chat with than someone who's involved in some of the biggest moments in franchise history, and that's Dan Johnson, who joins us from his home in Minnesota. Dan, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, staying busy through this uh, whole epidemic or pandemic and uh, trying to keep myself busy. So give us an idea um, how it has impacted you and your family and what it's been like since kind of lo- the lockdown, so to speak, began in mid-March. Well, for us, it started kind of after, like I was telling you before, um, our conference um, baseball. So I've been coaching with Nebraska. Let's go back to that. <laughs> um, coaching, coaching down in Lincoln and um, for the, the Cornhuskers. Um, we played a game the night before, and we are getting on the bus – the day after to go play in Wichita State. Um, just prior to leaving on that bus trip, we found out that they canceled their entire season, um, their conference did. So within that, after that, about four hours later, we find out that the Big Ten canceled their, their entire conference. So it was, and then everything turned into this lockdown thing. So I, I decided to go home and spend the time with my family. And from there, we get home and then they shut down all the schools. So I'm currently enrolled in school right now through the University of Nebraska, finishing up my, my degree. And my kids, which I have four of, all have to take online schooling. So it's been very difficult to manage all the schedules, the Zoom meetings, um, you know, stay in touch with all the guys from the team, um, you know, try to work with them and, and help out as much as possible. So it's been quite a busy time. I hope you have a good data plan. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that works. Your boys are now what? How old? Between what age and what age? I have, uh, my boys are 15 and 12, and my girls are 8 and 6. Okay. How, who's it been more challenging for? Um, and as a dad, and, and for Holly, what's, what has this whole stretch been like for you guys to have all six of you under one roof and, you know, trying to come up with some sort of reasonable schedule? The, the reasonable schedule has been, it's been the difficult part because, you know, you have to coordinate four, four different students at, at four different times and so you know coordinating all their work because you have to walk them through it um our 15 year old obviously he's he's on his own our 12 year old has is is doing a pretty good job of, of figuring out everything on his own um but the the six-year-old you know you have to go through everything with them and you know a lot of it is explaining to them because they can't read the directions as it is or you know like the concepts that you have to teach them in math or you know just to help along with the teaching and then you have the eight-year-old who has a lot of like um, online meetings where they get to meet with the class so they can stay social and and do do the, um, her projects for her. How do you? What's the hardest part for them? Is it the school or is it the? I, I would assume they had friends, social activities, sports, whatever it was. 
Uh, because for me as a dad of two, I, I always think that's probably the biggest change. Well, so, so far that has been the biggest change is, is the nightly activities. You know, we have dance, softball, baseball, hockey, um, robotics. My kids are in all kinds of leagues of math and science and, you know, all the stuff that they used to do or, and normalize in their life is now turned into, okay, we're going to go in the gym here and we're going to, we're going to try to do as much as possible. We're going to go on a bike ride. Um, but the weather here in Minnesota has turned on us. So we're looking forward to next week. We, we got, uh, what, three or four inches of snow on the ground right now uh, that just happened in the last couple of days. Um, but the, the sense of normalcy is gone. So it's the, the new normal that we're working on now and, and trying to make the best out of what we have. And if I remember right, you guys had, I mean, a lot of folks in Minnesota have a fair amount of space, at least in the backyard. So when the weather is nice, they can run around a little bit. Yes. Um, so, so for my childhood, I remember how much I loved being outside. Um, and, you know, that was one of the big, big parts of when I purchased my home was, you know, I wanted this yard. Um, I ended up bringing in about 85, 80, yeah, it was about 85 truckloads of dirt just so I could level off a, a massive playing surface where I could build a hockey rink, um, which is, I don't know, I think it's about 100 by 50. Um, a warming house, but I have this large flat area next to my pond where, you know, you can do whatever kind of activities, which my kids love playing, like, you know, some kind of wiffle ball. Uh, uh, my daughter's like playing soccer, um, you know, just anything you can do outside. Um, but I was fortunate enough also because I knew that my off seasons were going to be in Minnesota. Um, I built a, a gym on, the, on my house. So I have a large area where we have a batting cage and, you know, basketball and, you know, you can kind of the kids can ride their bikes. They can, you know, we get all kinds of activities in there. So you were, well, you, and you fixed up houses for a bit too, right? Or did you help? Yes, you yes, yes. We did, we did uh, renovation um, of existing homes. Uh, we did a couple of contracts for um, government housing where we, we were remodeling their uh, um, kitchens. Um, and then we got into the new home side of things where we were building new homes and also into the landscaping side. So your last year playing was when, and was this an off season gig? And when did you decide from there, okay, I want to get back into baseball? Well, last year was my first year that I actually didn't play. If you can believe that <laughs> I actually coached one game in, um, in professional baseball just to keep the streak going. Um, <laughs> but I was actually supposed to pitch. And I decided uh, what, what happened is, is during the off season, um, the year prior, I was, I was helping coach my kids' teams and a couple of them, I was the head coach. And I realized how much fun I was having being able to spend time. Cause you know, in this, this game, we don't have much time at all with our families. So it was like, I saw how much like the kids were responding to me and, and how much my kids were like developing our relationship, like so much. And how much fun I was having in personal like satisfaction. Like I, I, I think a lot of us athletes never were real satisfied. I think that's what kind of drives us is nothing is ever good enough. And so no matter what, we don't really enjoy the ride along with it. We're just pressing for the next thing. How can I get better? How can I do this? What, what's my next step in, you know, being better? And this time that I had with my kids where I was actually coaching um, each one of them, like each four of the kids, I was at least – helping out somehow some way with the team and how much fulfillment I got out of that. And so I kept delaying, I kept my workouts up where I was going because the pitching thing was actually starting to do, um, do me, do me well. Like, I, I mean, I think I, I retired my last, my last year before I quit was actually, I think I had a two five as a, as a starter, which, um, 
you know, that for me, it was, was, was great. You know, like predominant knuckleballs, mostly knuckleballs. Knuckle yeah. The knuckle pucks. That's where, that's where I was at, man. I was, I was throwing up there and doing the dance and dazzler up there and seeing, seeing what I could do. <laughs> Chuck and duck. <laughs> so. And, and then from there, your alma mater, did they call you? You call them? How'd all that happen? Well, I was in contact with Darren Ursett, who was there before. Um, prior to the, the regime, regime change, he decided that after talking to him, I feel like I kind of had an influence on this because it was when they came up here to play Minnesota, I was down there talking with him. Um, you know, like we're just having um, conversation. He's like, when are you going to start your hobby up again? Why aren't you playing? Right. And so I was like, you know, I, I really should go play, but you know, I'm, I'm ready to play. I'm in shape to play. I've trained to play and I just can't leave my teams. Um, you know, it was understanding when I started, especially in the hockey realm, that I was going to leave the team somewhere after that January time where you go to spring training, whatever you're going to do. And he, you know, I just couldn't pull myself away. I told him, I was like, I've never felt so fulfilled. And lo and behold, like two months later, he decided that he was going to walk away from um, the University of Nebraska. And, <laughs> and he gave all the reasons that we talked about um, why. Uh, I was, I myself chose to walk away from actually playing. And then, and then all of a sudden, I guess the rest is history and you start. Oh yeah. With I suppose I could have finished my answer and told you why. Okay. So then, so then, but that, that was already talked about. So then the, the job offer was there, but um, obviously with a new coach that doesn't uh, carry over. So it was up to the new coach's decision, which is Will Bolt, who I, I actually played with when I was down at, at Nebraska, when I went there and, he was gracious enough to uh, extend the offer. So that's, that's how, and um, you know, through this, they, they pay for my schooling and I get to go and um, finish up my degree. So is Will Bolt related to Ryan Bolt, the Rays draftee or a different, totally different? It's totally different. Okay. Uh, um, he's from Nebraska also. Oh, really? Yeah. I did it's, not know this. Okay. Might be spelled different. B-O-L-D-T is, is Ryan Bolt. Yeah, no, they, I, I don't think different. so. Okay. Yeah. And, and how many credits were you shy of graduating? Okay, well, um, my credit-wise, I'm not short of any credits. I, if, if you look at my credits um, through the, my schooling, I actually have uh, well over, I mean, I'm, I'm towards my master's right now. I think I'm over 185 credits to my name. It's just getting all those credits from <laughs> all the years past because I took, what, 19 years off of school. So it turns <laughs> out those credits don't always count. But which I did find funny is like my credits from high school, you know, like when you can take those extra uh, classes, yeah, and get credit for college, those have stuck with me so far. <laughs> and so, so those count towards my degree, but my, uh, my college credits from actually going to Nebraska or actually going to University of uh, Butler or Butler University, I should say, um, those, those credits seem to leave you. So I've had to rework my stuff and I, I think I was about 38 credits short and uh, finishing up my last semester, which I have about 11 credits left. That's awesome. So next, sometime next year, you'll have your degree. I will have my degree at the end of May, or uh, May 9th. That's when I, I graduate. Yeah, I, I took some summer classes uh, um, this, this year, uh, last year, I should say, and was enrolled for fall during our fall season and spring. Obviously, we got cut short and I'm at home, but the, all, the, all the schooling has continued online. Does this mean more to you, mean more to Holly, or mean more to your kids? 
Okay, so so my goal was always never to have to go back and get my degree. Um, you know, I always wanted that that to go back and get my degree because I wanted it. Um, so for for me, this is I would say it's more important to my kids, um, just to to show them at you know like this is this is something that I accomplished, and you know it might have taken a different path than most everybody else, but I stuck to it and and ultimately finished it. So, but for me. For me, at, at 40 years old, it's kind of like, you know, um, I'm, I'm into the real world. I'm doing everything, you know, possible. But it's, uh, it, it also is kind of a proud moment for myself to, you know, know that I saw things through, even though it took me 20 years. But I'm still, you know, I still have a chance to finish it. The big reason we wanted to talk to you was obviously more race-centric. But I'm curious, do you want to coach at the collegiate level as a head coach? What's kind of your end game in all this, ultimately? Um, that's what the idea was when I started this, this process, um, I, several, several organizations reached out and, and asked if I wanted to do the, the professional coaching thing, which, which even so would, what I thought that was funny is one of them was for a pitching coach job, um, which turns out that, uh, you know, I've, I've done the pitching coach for in professional baseball, but it was through the, um, uh, let's see, salt dogs. I did the head coach with, with the saints just to get the, like some kind of resume, kind of feel what it's like. Um, during well, I was injured last my last year of playing, I, I tore my quad again. So that was kind of like where I was like, you know, I probably I'll probably take a little break here. So um, I signed on with the the St. Paul Saints just to get the the um, experience and was given a bunch of duties. And then I went over and helped uh, coach with the the Salt Dogs, which led me to Nebraska, being mm-hmm. in close proximity there and uh, continuing the contact and. From there, we just kind of figured out um, what I wanted to do with the on the coaching side, and seeing that if I coached in the professional baseball, that was going to take me away again, and we're going to continue along this process where I'm gone ten months out of the year, and so it was a big decision that you know, kind of like, okay, let's see what this college um, side of things could be like. So that's where I started progressing towards getting some experience, which is uh, definitely needed in, in the college game. It's quite different than, than coaching, you know, when, you, when you're coaching in professional baseball, you're coaching these guys on their careers. Um, when you're coaching in college baseball, you're coaching in life and along with like, you know, teaching them the responsibilities and developing them as, as young men. And would it be a case where eventually your family would move out to Nebraska or are you hoping maybe to get a job in Minnesota or what's, it's all going to depend on where where opportunities um, arise. Um, you know, this might be a real bad time for to be a college coach, considering that most college coaches this year doesn't really count towards anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure what the job opportunity is going to be. Um, so um, I'm 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 kind of up to seeing what happens and seeing how things progress through through this um, pandemic and and see what happens. And um, you know. Uh, my family's willing to go wherever, uh, you know, the college usually, usually is about a five year kind of process each time you go somewhere. So it'll be one of those things where, you know, wherever I, I do decide to coach or opportunity rises to go coach that, you know, where family will probably move with me. Were you hoping, are we happy that um, the NCAA decided to give the seniors an extra year in the spring sports? I think that's only fair. I really do. And I, I, I think it's fair that the, I believe they gave everybody back their year of eligibility, mm-hmm. um, which I, I, I think is, is, is a great thing. Um, I think all the guys deserve it. I mean, when those, you see the guys, the amount of work that they put in and, and the time and effort and to take that away from them just seems like it, would, it, it wouldn't be fair. 
You know, I figured, obviously, we, we mentioned that it, it, real good perspective on the, on the college end, but, you know, we had um, so much interest recently. Andy and Dave, Andy had put together, like, best moments in race history, kind of like a March Madness. And your two big home runs were in the final four. <laughs> well, that's when, great. Yeah. When you think about it, what, what sticks with you? Are those the biggest moments of your overall career? And what made being with this organization so special? I would say, I would say for surely those are like the, the two things that I like to hang my hat on. Um, you know, there's been so much made, especially the, the, the last game, the game 162 and, um, you know, doing the, the stuff, you know, all the publicity you got for it and, you know, even rehashing it over and over again, you know, it, it never gets old for me, you know, usually talking about things and especially about your career. Cause you know, I, I kind of like, just pass it off and, and, and hope that just experience and, you know, that, that doesn't define me as a person, but you know, it's great, but I, I never find it like daunting to talk about the same thing over and over again. Um, it means so much to me. And, and obviously it means a lot to the organization and, and just having that piece of history, which I still believe like there was a higher power working there than just myself. So I was just fortunate enough to be put in that situation and used as, as the piece that, you know, delivered. Game 162, higher power, or, or 2008, Papelbon? I mean, the, the, both of those are essential moments in, in what the Rays accomplished in both those years. Yeah, they're, they're really, you know, they're two totally different things. But, like, the, the Game 162 thing is kind of like, you know, it's, it's as close to, for me, as, like, getting on that, that chance of bases loaded, two outs, you know, 3-2 count, you know, down by three, and then winning a game, you know, in the last final game of the season. So, you know, at that point, like, especially during that time, it was a must win in our, in our eyes. Like, there, you know, Boston was going to win that game. And that's, that's where we were at that point. So, at that moment, it really felt like that was the biggest home run that, you know, or situation that I was in. Even though the, the one in, in 2008, I mean, I think that whole hectic day just kind of kind of put it at ease it's like oh no I gotta go hit right now I mean who who cares I mean everything else I'm buying shoes in an airport and delayed and I find myself in Philadelphia I'm flying all over the place trying to get to to Boston which is probably a, a taxi ride would have been quicker than the way I took with uh with uh the flight schedule that I had for due to all the delays and cancellations I, I want you to retell that story but first I want you to go back to 162 okay and what that whole you know, moment, period, walking up to it was all like for you. What, what do you really remember? The, the whole situation, well, obviously, that was back in the time, like, I, I mean, most people don't remember, like, in the ninth game of the season, I think it was, I got hit in the wrist, which, you had, which crushed the um, ulnar nerve, which gave me little control to, like, my bottom three fingers in my left hand. And going through that process, which turned out to end up being fractured instead of it being bruised, but I was told – that um, I needed to keep using it or lose the functionality of the hand. Like I, the nerve may not come back. And so I, I tried, I mean, I even used a tennis racket grip on, on top of my, my top hand, like um, with the raise and struggled mightily. Like it, it, at one point, I think, it, I think our decision came, it was in, in Toronto where it was like, um, you know, speaking with Madden, uh, Joe, it was just like, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I can compete. Like I really couldn't uh, in being a power type guy and not being able to swing for power, not being able to take BP, not being able to squeeze the glove real well was, uh, you know, the, the biggest factor. So I went back down and the process of trying to strengthen that hand again and, and get back 
was such a long process because it was nerve damage. Like the bone part was fine. Like, I, you know, it's just, you're going to have to deal with the pain, but not controlling the, the actual fingers. I broke three iPads during that time, carrying them without noticing that I was dropping them. Um, it, you know, that it, just something random, but I, I mean, that truly happened where I was just walking and I didn't even know that I dropped it. Um, because it, it, nothing feels different about my hand, but my, I was not really controlling the, the, my, my fingers at that point. And to come back all the way through and get into that situation where, you know, you're, you're in this, this, this drive, this, this playoff hunt, you know, in, in the big leagues was awesome. But by that time I've already had kind of a schedule. I knew that like, maybe I could take a round each round. I could take maybe one or two swings in the cage. Um, during batting practice, I knew that I needed to stretch more because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to expel a lot of energy to swing the bat. So at the point, I was sitting up in the cage when this all happened. And normally, you know, I'm kind of wiggling around with the bat and, you know, like the, the, you have your cage stuff and your game stuff. So I was sitting up there and then watching the game. And I was already told prior that I was going to be the fifth hitter of that inning. So the first two guys were out and, um, Lo and behold, here's the security guy yelling, hey, you're up. And I was like, me? I'm watching Sam Fold walk up to the plate, you know, on the TV as I'm sitting on the ground stretching. Um, I was like, oh, man. So then, you know, at that, at that point, it becomes a blur. So I'm taking everything off, like all my batting gloves, throwing my bat out, running out the, running out the cage door, getting down there. And I just remember um, asking Shilty if – I was like, what has he got? You know, even though I knew I'd faced him, you know, like played with Who's him. Who's your teammate? Yeah. I knew exactly what he had, and he's like, you don't want to know. You know, obviously he had that great changeup, and that was, that was the, the whole thing against, you know, facing him, knowing that he had great numbers and a great, great year. So in the back of my head, that's what I was going up there, um, you know, to, to, to see. And by the time I got up there, if you would ask me prior to re-watching that bat, when they did that, um, that show, I can't remember what it was called, <laughs> One Night in Baseball or something, where they actually re-showed me the, the at-bat, which – I had no clue. I was like, well, I was sitting on a changeup the entire time and finding out that I did have a couple of changeups prior to that and never knew it. So uh, <laughs> that was, that was, that was great to know. Um, but, but getting out there and then finally, when I, I believed that I got my first changeup, which, which actually probably the third changeup, but when I, I was sitting on it and I, I hit it and you know, it's in that location where as a hitter, it's a highly high, high likelihood if you're going to be able to, you're going to hook that ball and whether or not you're going to be able to keep that ball fair. And fortunate enough for me, it, would, it ended up staying fair, and, you know, the rest is history. How many times have you watched it since or shown it to your kids? Do you, I, I mean, would say how many times I've watched it, not many. Um, I, I don't – I don't know. It's only when it was brought to me again. Like, I, I truly did not even remember the at-bat correctly, which I think <laughs> in my head I remember almost every at-bat correctly, you know, like – I remember a ball two inches off the plate that an umpire called on me in, you know, my fifth season, you know, like that's kind of stuff that sticks with me, but I couldn't even tell you the most important at bat of my career, what, how it went. I, you know, I, I was under the impression that I was fouling off fastballs and taking breaking balls and, you know, it turns out it wasn't right, but you know, <laughs> I ultimately ended up hitting what I thought I was sitting on. So then walk us through 08, what, what that was like. No, so I got a I got a phone call. It was a one of those short trips that we had in AAA to what was it to Scranton, I believe, mm -hmm. where it was I, I had literally nothing with me. Um, I think it was only like a two day trip, if I'm not mistaken, maybe three. I'm not sure exactly how it worked out. Um, Charlie called me and he's like, "Hey, he's like, uh, 
so I can't remember how he put it, but whatever it was, he's like, you mad at me for waking you up? And I was like, well, you better have something good to say if you call me at this time type thing. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, they, they, they called for you to come up. So I was over real quick about uh, having to do it. So, um, you know, getting everything situated and the pl travel plans and, and, and knowing that I only had a couple, I think I only had a pair of jeans and, and a couple shirts to, uh, to wear knowing that uh, I had to change, uh, find some, some kind of dress clothes. So I was at least presentable walking into a, uh, a big league clubhouse. So, so um, I get to the airport. Uh, it turns out that the, I believe it was the Scranton airport that I went to. It turns out that they didn't have much there. So <laughs> I was, I was in trouble. Um, I was in trouble waiting for a flight to Boston. They canceled the flights to Boston, but there was still a flight later on that day that was coming out of Philly, I believe. So took the flight to Philly sat there had about three hours so turns out they have actually pretty good shopping there so so i was rocking through the airport doing my shopping buying some shoes some clothes and it, it turns out that's not a great place to shop either it's quite high <laughs> uh, quite expensive but uh you know get my stuff and and just just stressing out because our, our plane kept getting delayed and you know they told me that i was starting left field that night <laughs> i was like wow you know like welcome back you know this is this is what really happening right now so Throughout this whole thing and knowing everything was going to be cut real short to finally get on the plane, land in Boston and get in the cab and like stressing out. And I think it was like 45 minutes to the game and, and the way the traffic was, there was no way I was getting there. So I, I think I made it with about 12 minutes left before the game started when I actually made it to the ballpark. And still at that point, I was under the impression I was still starting. And it wasn't until like I was like they were announcing um, the first batter of the game. <laughs> that they told me that, hey, listen, like, take it easy. You know, there's no way you're going to be able to make it out there. So um, just stay ready. So it was one of, just watching the game, watching this, this, this awesome, like, energy throughout the team that was going on and, and, and just thinking about, like, the, you know, the team chemistry, the way everything was going and, and the deflation that we were losing. And it was like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is, this is a real turning point in the season, really. And it was – I was tapped on the shoulder and said, you know, Hey, you're, you're going to be, I think it was leading off. And it was like, I, I mean, I was so excited about it and got up there. I got into a great count three Oh, so I've seen, I've seen all these fastballs and it was like, Oh man, you know, that's great. And I think it was three one. I, I took a massive hack and I missed it. And I stepped out of the box and I, I mean, it was just, I, I laughed because I was like, man, if you miss that one, what did you come up? What are you up here for? You know, it was like that, that perfect pitch. And I just fouled it off. And so I was like, I just remember stepping back and just being like, what are you doing? You know, and I kind of chuckled and got back in the box. And, and the next pitch was, I think is the one I hit out. And it was, it was like, it was, it was a good pitch to hit. I hit it. And I, all I remember is how silent the, the, the stadium went. Fenway at that quiet where I could actually hear <clears throat> our whole team yelling and actually hear my feet hitting the ground, like my spikes digging into the dirt. It was, it was one of the, the, the coolest, like, <laughs> moments, just, just to be able to hear how quiet all those people that were just absolutely screaming got and being able to hear my own teammates, you know, from across the field and, and hearing my feet hit the ground there in uh, Fenway. Especially in that place. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was something truly, truly uh, exciting. It's crazy that you hit, uh, I think it was 50-some homers in the big leagues, and only 11 of them were with the Rays. You were like Forrest Gump. It was like two, two of your 11 homers are, are 
among the biggest homers that this franchise has ever seen. Yeah, I mean, make the most out of your opportunities, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you're also making the most out of your opportunities uh, regarding the pandemic in terms of your family time, your, uh, your studies time. Uh, we're, we're very excited for you in terms of getting your degree um, next month. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's more good things to come and we'll see you back out on a baseball diamond soon. Well, I sure hope so. I'm excited. I can't wait till this this whole thing opens up and, and you know get the opportunity to get back outside and and start mingling with the teams again. Dan, great to chat with you. Thanks very much for being with us on our podcast. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. And we certainly appreciate you for joining us as well. And we'll have more of these podcasts with Rays alumni coming up in the near term. In in the future, continue to be safe. Keep your social distancing, and we will talk with you soon.